Wolves fans, a new era is here, and perhaps the area has never seen more Wolves hysteria. With that, new voices have been called to break it down. The poet coach and the cool crooner sound bring you X's and O's and insight with soul. Wolves talk for now and later with flavor that lasts. Welcome, party people, to the coach and the crooner, Timberwolves Podcast. Let's go. Well, all righty then. What's going on? What's going on? Welcome to another episode of The Coach and the Crooner. What's going on, Coach? Man, uh, just another day of life, man. I'm alive. I'm breathing. Uh, Yeah, and the Timberwolves are 500. Wow. You just want to go right in, don't you? You just want to go right in. Why can't we like discuss our, our, our unceremonious absence, and then maybe we can get into... Our squad, which I have a variety of questions and, uh, you know, frankly, queries about. Um, but I'm kind of parachuting into this situation because I've been doing uh, theater here for the last couple months. And so I've literally been out of the loop and at times too tired to even take in games. But I, uh, I'm i excited to ask you some questions because I want to know what, what your thoughts are. Like, if if I were to cast my gaze to the future, what would that look like regarding our squad? But how are you, man? What's going on? Man, I, I can't complain. I myself uh, was involved in directing for the first time ever, uh, directing a show for Metro State University. And so that's definitely taking up my time. And then, of course, it's basketball season at the high school level. And so our Richfield Boys basketball program had our first two games, uh, Friday and Saturday this week. And so I've been busy trying to prepare uh, my group to get ready to play. And I'm kind of the developmental coach over there and then also supporting Coach uh, McMillan in the varsity program over there and getting those boys ready. Uh, had an exciting one, man. Just got it real quick. Got to put it out there, no, man. do this. Do this. First game of the season playing against Tartan, 4A program. We're a 3A school. And, uh, you know, we had a Timberwolves-style meltdown and blew a 10-point lead with two <laughs> minutes to go, find ourselves down one with five and a half seconds left. And a young man uh, who came up through the ranks. Freshman played freshman ball. Sophomore played sophomore ball. JV played JV ball. Now he is a senior starter, role player. Gets the ball, man, on the left wing with under three seconds left. Dribbles into the lane and uh, throws up. Now he's right-handed. Throws up a left-hand floater, contested off the backboard as the buzzer sounds. So that's how our season started. (laughs) Well, at least it wasn't dramatic. No, nah, not at all. It was it was horrible. The school didn't mob him on the floor or nothing like that, you know. <laughs> so that's what I've been well, doing, I, man. I, Coaching I, and directing, and you've been acting. Well, you know, listen, man. Uh, the theater game ain't no joke. No. And union houses are real, and so are contracts. So it's, yes, it has been. Um, I you know I I really I'm a full time I'm a full time musician thespian. That's who I am. That's what that's how I get my cheddar, and so. I, I love it, but I take it really seriously, and so it's it's unfortunate because you know I, I hate missing games, I really do, but I really do love uh, I love what music and theater have have given me over over the last you know thirty plus years. So it's pretty it's pretty cool. I'm doing a great show with uh, the great Jennifer Grimm, who is just like a remarkable talent, man. She's just she's a, she's a killer. I knew she was a killer singer, but she's also a really Really 
smart actress, really, really intelligent actress. So, and this piece is written by by Cudden Austin Van, who is yeah. just running things out there, at Yellow Tree Theater. So it's it's been it's been really really amazing, you know. So what's the name of it? It's called it's it's called Holiday. Is okay. what it is, and it's a story about a, a black man and a Jewish woman who are, you know, struggling, blending their families over the holidays. So it's, Kanye West isn't in this one. He, <laughs> and why would you do that? <laughs> I think he's one of the one of the. Uh, no, I'm not even going to go down that road. Hell no, fuck Kanye. Um, this thing on, but. Um, <laughs> No, so so it, it's been cool. It's 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 not like Shakespeare or, you know, or anything like that. But it is it is a really well written piece, and it 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 it's really hearty. I recommend it highly for those of you who like like date night and that sort of thing because it is it is surprisingly hearty uh, version of a light and fun play. How many more weeks uh, do people got to get out and check it out? We got we we close. I want to say on the twenty ninth. Okay, right at the end of the year. So it's it's been it's been you know it's been an intense few months. But theaters like that, man. It's just it's 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 not just a time obligation. It's a mental kind of exercise. Right. And, right. And there's a lot of memorization. There's a of of blocking and and, yeah. and and text and also things like props. It's yeah. amazing how many things you have to you have to really think three dimensionally. Whereas when I'm playing music, I can really just be me. Right. When I'm doing theater, I, I'm in somebody else's thought process, and that has been also really helpful. And it's something I kind of want to lead with as it relates to our squad. Yes. So, I again, I'm parachuting into the situation. So I've got some questions for you. Okay. What the hell? <laughs> Let's start with that. Yes, sir. What the hell is the deal with rebounding and this team's seemingly inability or, for whatever reason, just, yeah, inability or unwillingness to do it as it relates to winning basketball? Well, I have some theories, and that's all they are is theories. Uh, But I have been saying... Anybody who's followed me on Twitter kind of knows I've been saying all along that it's the guard-wing combinations with this team that are um, their rebounding problem. And I have some theories as to why that is. Um, But just to get into that, last night's game is a perfect case in point. Last night's game. Against Portland. Clarification, I'm sorry. Last night's game against the Trailblazers. Mm -hmm. um, Second night of a Mm -hmm. back-to-back. you know, from a coach's perspective, these are the type of games that kill you because your team went into a very tough environment playing against a very, very talented offensive team, and they played well enough to win in every phase of the game except rebounding. And, you know, people have had the conversation about, well, you know, they got Rudy and Cat, and they have these double bigs, and they should be able to rebound the basketball better. And my thought on that is this. When you have Rudy Gobert on your team, you know that two things are going to happen. One is that you're going to get a lot of three-point shots taken against you. Rudy is going to play in that drop coverage. And to a certain extent throughout the course of a game, 
he's going to allow if the guards don't get over the top of that screen, especially against a team like Portland where you have to pick up Damian Lillard at half court. <laughs> so Jaden McDaniels is way out at the half court line trying to get over the top of uh, those screens by Nurkic uh, to stay with Damian Lillard and, and Anthony Simmons, you know, Simons. whoever's guarding him. Simons. Simons, thank you. Uh, so because of that, those guys are walking into three-point shots because Rudy's back in drop coverage and Jaden is, you know, 28, 30 feet from the basket because those guys will shoot it, especially Dame, Dame from 28, 30 feet comfortably. And so you have to stay up on him as soon as he comes across half court. When you have shots that are that long, and Portland took 34 three-point shots, when you have shots that are that long, you're going to get long rebounds. Mm -hmm. Your bigs, be it when Cat's in the game, Rudy and Cat, when Cat's not healthy, you got Rudy out there, Rudy, he's going to go and track rebounds in the paint. What's going to then happen is you're going to get long bounces. Long shots lead to long bounces. And the guard wings have to track the ball and they have to make first contact with their player who's crashing. And let's be honest, every team in the league now knows it's a scouting report. The Timberwolves guard wing combination, Jaden McDaniels and whoever's in the backcourt, do not box out with physicality. They will not put the wood on you if you go running after a loose ball. And the offensive player always knows where the ball is going to come down before the defensive player because they're facing the basket when the shot's taken. So that's one issue on rebounding. The other issue is, and Memphis exploited this, when you have teams that attack the paint. When you have teams that attack the paint, Rudy has to come over and contest or be helped. That means you have to get outside in boxing out and bracket boxing out, what we call gang rebounding in the game, from your guard wing combinations. They cannot stand on the perimeter watching the play happen, waiting to see where the ball is going to come down, waiting to see if the shot is going to go in, and then try to react to it because the offensive teams, again, scouting report, they know the Wolves' habits on the wing guard positions. They're already attacking that area. So whether it's off penetration or whether it's off of long, deep shots, the Rudy effect is, and the Rudy slash cat effect when they're both in the game is long shots, long rebounds. Jaden has to have more than zero rebounds like he had last night. Dilo, I think had one. Okay. So those two guys specifically, uh, are, <laughs> Especially Jaden, really struggling rebounding the ball, and that's Ant, been his crux. And well, yes, and Ant is in my mind uh, showing a measure of improvement in that area. Absolutely. Um, so that kind of brings me to I think a point that I'm just probably going to revisit more than once during the course of this pod, and that is here we are, essentially a third of the way through the season mm -hmm. with uh, about a 500 squad, mm -hmm. and at least, at least in my mind, generally speaking, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of what a team's going to look like, what its makeup is uh, about this time of the year. At least it's, I start, it starts to come into focus if it's not, con if it's not like, like Britt Robson would say, quickened yet. Right. But to me, even – I mean, no, 
Cat's been out now for the last, what, five games or so? And so there have been some new kind of things to assess in his absence. And frankly, there's been a, a new energy in his absence that I think was obvious and necessary because you lose your best player. And so there's a, a natural, I would think, instinct to, to know that you're going to have to work harder. But mm-hmm. here's my thing. Even before Cat was out, um, now, and I can be really hard on Cat and D'Lo. I will concede this before I get into this. Cat is the best player on this team. Mm-hmm. He is the best player on this team, and I don't think that can even be questioned. But what I'm wondering going forward, and again, this is not me advocating to cut Cat and get him out of here mm-hmm. or anything like that, but and I do think he played. He has played for the most part fairly well this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rebounding was still an issue with Cat and Rudy mm-hmm. before Cat went down. And we talked about why just and, now. So yep, cover that. And the guards are culpable in that area. So I, I definitely understand that. But I, my concern is, where do we see improvement in those areas? Where, I mean, it's. I, I don't mean to oversimplify. You are a freaking coach. You said something uh, before we started here about what would happen when your guards don't box out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would happen? Now, obviously, these are paid top one-half percent of basketball players in the world, so right. it's a different deal. Right. But I always felt like uh, Chris Finch was a really good communicator up and down that roster. Mm-hmm. What I don't see is a coach's influence as it relates to habits changing or at least improving. Okay, if that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. if that doesn't improve, and Cat, while being super talented, but his his style of play doesn't really affect winning for whatever reason mm-hmm. on the whole, and D'Lo, super talented player, in the end, to me, he doesn't represent enough tenacity and consistency at the point guard position. As a coach, what is he thinking right now? Well, I, I'll put this because those are essentially your two. Those are two, two of your, your big players, right? right. Those, are, those, those are those two are kind of the engine that drives this team. Bingo. Um, but I, I'll, so I'll put this disclaimer out there. Um, when Cat has had winning talent around him, and it's really, really hard to influence winning from the center power forward position in the league. Joel Embiid is figuring that out. You know, and Joel Embiid has had Ben Simmons when he mentally healthy Ben Simmons around him. He's had now James Harden around him. He's you know, uh, I'm I'm a big Tobias Harris fan. Um, you wow, know. you might be the only one. Well, the funny thing is, you know, we we tend to when we don't see guys night in and night out. Now I might be overstating Tobias Harris, you but every time are. I see him, he that seems is not to a play max well. Player. But 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 no, I don't think he's a max player. But I think that when Philly is playing well. Tobias Harris is playing well. Facts. So, um, you know, but last year I cannot say that Cat and Dilo didn't impact winning. As a matter of fact, Cat and Dilo were probably two of the biggest impactors on winning, which then leads into my next statement, which is that Chris Finch's teams from when he got hired, you know, midway through that season to last season, and, you know, I guess I can only hope at this point in time but I feel like we're going to see it we're already starting to see it this season his teams tend to get better as the season goes on which is why I have I still 
have I don't have any issues with that guy as a coach. I think that is a trend about his coaching that I really appreciate. He's also had three different teams in the two and a half years he's been here. So one of the things you can say for his teams getting better as the season goes on is he has yet to have the consistency of having the same team back-to-back years. Okay. So so some of the – and he talks about it in his interviews, talking about this team still has to find their leadership voice. This team still has to find their identity. This team still has to find their 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 – cohesive grit and toughness, their cohesive physicality, meaning to a man, everybody understanding what type of physicality you have to bring to the game in order for the team to be successful. Case in point, Andrew Wiggins in Golden State. You know, we talked about that a little bit off air was that, you know, Andrew Wiggins goes to Golden State, Mm -hmm. a team that has a very cohesive understanding of what winning takes. And Andre Iguodala gets in his ear. Draymond Green gets in his ear, says this is how we do things around here. This is how we've done things for years. And all of a sudden, Andrew Wiggins is a rebounding, defending monster, right? Um, That stability matters. And so Chris Finch had one team last year that even though they were poorly out-rebounded often, they had a player who consistently would go compete for out-of-area rebounds. And then they had a guard who, say what you want about Pat Bev, um, one of the little talked about things about him is for his size and position, he's a very good rebounder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, that was something. And, and so you say, well, why did they get out rebounded so much last year? Well, one, Cat was undersized playing the five, often put in positions where he has to go help. And when he's going to go help, Vanderbilt was undersized. And Jaden McDaniels goes back to him. And goes back to D'Lo. And last year, to a certain extent, Ant, who's improving, this is part of his improvement, is his improvement in being more consistent with rebounding numbers. So we got to give Ant that developmental pass from year one to year two to year three. But what I see is D'Lo has to make a more concerted effort to be physical in his rebounding. And that goes back to what you're talking about, about his casual kind of smooth game and that gritty aspect not being in his nature. Mm-hmm. And Jaden McDaniels a little bit to a certain extent, even though he's got more of a chip, more of a mean streak. I just think that he's been so thin all his life that his habit has never been to go in there and mix it up and get those physical rebounds or to chase down out of area rebounds. Um, And so you don't see those habits changing in the short term. Now, part of, I think, the trade was understanding that the ceiling for this collective is higher than the ceiling potentially for the previous collective. If they can get this group to do those winning things that they got last year's group to do in the last 35 games of the season, 34 games of the season. Then you go into the playoffs with a team that if they can find their mojo and their winning identity, now you can really do some things, but your guards and wings, Jaden has to have more than zero rebounds. Listen, I I really do want to kind of get into – what Jaden can do to become a better rebounder, how he can improve that. I don't know if that's just about getting in the gym more and it's more attitude. in the offseason. But, but I'm sorry, man. You're going to keep bringing me back to my fantasy archetype, point guard. Because mm-hmm. in the end, I know I, like, I make 
big work of criticizing two of the four t- top best players. But I don't mean that derogatorily. Mm. I am I am a chemistry centric human being. Mm. I am in bands and I'm in ensembles, and I understand the value of connection. Right. Um, what I don't sense is. For example, specifically as it relates to D'Lo, with all of his talent, my fantasy archetype is somewhere between 6'4 and 6'6. He is uber-focused on maximizing Ant and Cad or whomever that might be mm-hmm. and is a servant leader in that way, right? But every motherfucking night, he wants to... Mess somebody up. Marcus he, Smart. He wants to Marcus Smart somebody. That's your that's your prototype point guard for this team from an attitude standpoint. From an attitude standard uh, standpoint, because I love Pat Bev. I love his I love his attitude. I love his approach, even though it's just this side of Looney. I like the idea of tenacity right away. And as good as Jaden is at the point of attack. And as tenacious as a uh, defender is, to me, if we had somebody who could actually handle that gig, and D'Lo cannot handle that gig. No, we that's had somebody not his strength. Who can handle that gig and, and, and distribute, you know, six to eight a game and just, you know, not think of himself as the guy who's got to make the big shots. Because don't get me wrong, making big shots is important, but we talked about this earlier. Winning habits start as soon as the ball goes up. Mm-hmm. And those habits are blocking out, mm-hmm. those, <laughs> moving the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, those those habits, are, they seem inconsequential, but they end up adding up to championship mentality where mm-hmm. when you travel into somebody else's gym and you notice when you're good at stuff, mm-hmm. when you are really good at stuff, you know most likely this stuff's going to work whether we're at the crib or at somebody else's house. As a coach, how does that inform you? I I Well... Okay, as a GM, how does that inform you? Pardon me. I I think you have to let it play out, and that's why I'm curious to see how the back half of this season plays out. Um, You're watching a team that is improving in those areas. Um, Again, second night of a back-to-back at Utah, at Portland, is about as tough as it gets Mm -hmm. from a road you know, from, from from a road arena fan energy perspective, you know, you're, you're dealing with a Utah team that has lots of incentive to want to beat you every time you step on the floor against them. And you're dealing with a Portland team that Portland's always one of the toughest places to play. And you're dealing with Dame Lillard and now his new sidekick in Anthony Simons mm. and Jeremy Grant. You know, you got three guys averaging 20-plus points a game over Sidebar, there. What, uh, what is Anthony Simons – a journey here because he wasn't was he drafted how did he play in like the d slash g league i mean what is he like a four-year guard now you know i shouldn't in? know this he's a young but he, dude he but has been around man. for a while Woo! i believe that he uh kind of came out after one year um g league uh right. and then and then kind of sat behind cj mccollum and mm-hmm. they i think portland's always been man. really high on his offensive ability that dude and came into a, a really good situation how to play. he came into a really i mean think about well, learning from he, from cj mccollum and dame and he made cj mccollum tradable yeah they could trade right. cj mccollum right. because they knew what they had in Anthony simons he's always been talented offensively he nice um you know it's funny i think that when you look at his his journey 
I think the Timberwolves, different type of player, but from an impact standpoint, I think the Timberwolves are hoping Josh Minot becomes what Anthony Simons has become for Portland in terms of impact, different style. Mm-hmm. But that journey, that guy who was raw, a little bit, you know, had to develop it physically mm-hmm. and raw, but you could see the potential there. And then that dude's got and a then motor. He, right. That and dude's and got then a he motor. went to work on. And he's always been confident as a scorer. You know, I think he was a big time scorer in high school. So well, they I mean, won a slam dunk contest or something like that. Also, yeah, he's so so he's, yeah, he's a special talent. So I get it. I I, so, I do like what you're saying. I do like it. there clearly has been a more consistent kind of like focus on winning. Or well, I, I, that seems kind of trite, but a, a, a focus, just a general overall team collective focus, and that has that played itself out over the last that two nights. And they're developing an identity. I mean, obviously, they're having to develop a new identity without Cat, but I feel like they were trending in the right direction when Cat got injured. We see them night in and night out. So we get bugged when we see these old habits creep in I really and cost do. them a game. Right? <laughs> I really do get bugged. And we sometimes lose sight of the fact that it's an 82-game season. And we lose sight of the fact that they finished a regular season 22-11 and 11 last year, or else everything is a very different conversation. We lose sight of the fact that they got a chance to play some teams that were COVID and injury rampage that allowed them to get some confidence and develop okay. an identity and win some games. So our expectations with the trade and stuff were high out the gate. Um, I do think that the media in this town sets fans up who are very impressionable because we have such good sports writers in this town and, and people who cover the team. Well, I, yeah, but it would be hard not to fan. be optimistic about what we, you know, But But I think saw. the respect level for opponents wasn't there by the sports media in this town. That's, and, yes, San Antonio's ultimately turning out to be what we thought they would be, and yet they went into Miami and won last night. Now, who knows? Miami might have been injury ravaged, but whatever. I don't you care. Know. I just love it when Miami loses. We got, we got, you know, Sacramento is looks like last year's Wolves in terms of a team that has, you know, all these guys have NBA talent. All these teams have NBA talent. So sometimes a team with a chip on their shoulder catches lightning in a bottle for a month, and all of a sudden it's a different landscape. We knew New Orleans was going to be tough. Mm, and they look they nasty. Are at the top of the they West, look nasty. You know, and, and we knew that as long as Zion stayed healthy, they were going to be tough. So certain things we knew were going to happen. We knew Golden State was going to start slow, and at the end of the season they'll be Golden State. Okay. So, so the Wolves have a different path. And I think this is where Chris Finch comes in and people talk about, well, he's not hard enough on these guys or he needs the bench guys. Or he need... Chris Finch, one thing I've noticed about him is he's very level and he stays big picture. He understands the long view and he understands, I think, that if this team is playing their best basketball for a long stretch of time, they're probably going to win games and that gives them the potential to maybe finish 10, 11 games above 500, if they can stay 500 and then go on that stretch where they go 22 and 11, you know, then you 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 take your chances in the playoffs in the West, 10 games over 500, who knows where that's going to have you at the end of the season. You know, that could have you in a 4 or 5 spot, you know. So we, we just don't know. Okay. So be patient with this, it. Th- this, and this year it's been, it's been kind of wacky all year. I, I think a lot of people, like you were saying earlier in our previous conversation, I, I just like to extrapolate that stuff onto the, onto the pod because right. I think it, it just adds seasoning to it. But it has been a weird year. I mean, the Clippers are a bizarre squad this year. There's a lot of things that are st- still kind of 
coming together for a lot of teams. But we are at a third point of the season, and and I will obsess about my dream archetype player until we get him. Damn it! So, this team, you say we have forty more games to go. I think this. Well, GM, I said, we'll just see where they're at in the last forty. In the last, okay, in the last forty games. Pardon me, um, but I think Tim Conley is thinking trade trade deadline. I think to me his situation is uh, a little little different because he's got to make a call on D'Lo. He can't he, he can't just ride this out and and pay, and, and assume that D'Lo is going to want to take a a pay cut. And, and I don't think any reasonable human being who has proven that he's not a max player wouldn't, but everybody wants that cake and they ain't mad at him for it. But that dude has got to decide just as I circle back now for the third time in our conversation, is D'Lo the kind of point guard, the kind of point guard, because everything for me is Freddie Franklin and Tyrone Scott. That's my story. High school backcourt. Those two brothers were sweet. I always liked like, Really sweet passes and smooth jump shots and mm-hmm. all that stuff, right? And those two brothers were on opposite sides of the bracket in high school, and then they were on the same team, my high school team, and I thought, can't nobody beat us, right? Right? Until we got to state, and them mugs ran up on some brothers who was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to need that lunch money, my man. I'm going to need that every time down, okay? I need your cornbread. Let, let me hold that 20. That <laughs> I, shit I was real, man. And so, <laughs> so, so I want to know, because I don't believe it is, but I want to know from you, is D-Lo's inconsistency something that can change? And to me, and I have said this forever now, I feel like, I think he has big shot capability like, Maybe not very many players in this league. He just doesn't seem to have a conscience in those situations, which I really admire. But the game starts long before the fourth quarter. And just like you said to me before we started, it's like you beat Portland in the first three quarters. Because in the fourth quarter, you're going to have a problem with Anthony Simons and Dame. Right. So, Tim uh, is, is the president of basketball operations or whatever. What is he thinking right now? Because I think this is a hard call. Well, I think that he gets paid to have a plan A, plan B, plan C. I don't know what either of those plans are. I'm not going to pretend to know what plan A, plan B, plan C is. But I do think that, again, a lot of this has to continue to play out because um, it's the West is wonky. Uh, There's a lot of teams that are jumbled in a very – you know, 500, two games over, three games over, one game under, two games under mix right now. Um, and let's be honest, any team that wins seven in a row in the West is going to go from like 11th to third or, mm-hmm. you know, in the case of New Orleans, ninth to first real quickly with a six, seven game winning streak. Right, right. That's just what it is in the West right now. Um you know, D'Angelo Russell will continue to be polarizing. I continue to contest I, I, that. And I don't make, I to don't mean me, to make you, every podcast about him. Right. But, I'm, but I'm, to I'm, me, you have to bring, you have to say not only stylistically, who can you bring in if you're going to replace him that moves the needle. But I do think in the NBA where it is a guards game, we can talk about 
Cat and impact on winning. We can talk about Rudy and Philly. They can talk about Embiid. You know, the only big man I think that has a profound impact on winning right now in the NBA is Nikola Jokic. Um, in terms of it doesn't seem to matter what you put around him, he finds a way to win games. But other than that, mm-hmm. you know, as a it's a guards league. It's okay. a guards game. Okay. And so, um, you know, I, I I feel like it's one of those things where, one, we kind of forget who the lead guards were around here before D'Lo came around. And I also and I also think that um, – Wait, wait. What are, you, what are you saying? That – I get. I mean, you're, you're saying D'Lo is a quality player. We should be – Right. I think, I think he's a little underappreciated. We kind of forget how desperate and starved this team was for a lead guard that could do the thing. And I would also say this. Um – I would be curious, and I probably should look it up, and maybe with something we can have prepared for the next podcast, because I'm going to be honest, I'm too lazy to look it up right now. <laughs> um, I'll be curious to see what the team's record is with Chris Finch and games in which D'Angelo Russell has been the starting guard. And my guess is it's above 500. Okay. Well above 500. I mean, I'm I'm actually prepared to concede that he can affect winning. And, and Here's what I'm not willing to concede. Mm-hmm. He doesn't affect playoff winning. Well, and, that, and, and to that's me, real. that's about like back to my guys, Freddie Franklin and Tyrone Scott. In the end, you can only be who you are. And he, he, he he's a slick, you know, big shot hitting so and so. But you know, he can be a turnstile. And he can he can fall asleep and he can take bad shots and all these things to me still equal winning. And I know he's a quality point guard and obviously he's better than the lion's share of point guards who've been in here. But to me, give me somebody who wants to fight every game and has a clear understanding of where he is. And I just don't know. I, just, I don't we, know. We, and we won't know until they're in more playoff games. Let's just be honest that part of winning in the playoffs in the NBA comes from playoff experience. And we won't know until this team is consistently in the playoffs. Uh, you know, we, we still don't know if Chris Finch can push the right buttons in the playoff situation and be a playoff winning coach. You know, we, we, you know, all we know about Ant is when the lights go on, he shines brightest. You ready. You know, um, but we also have to understand that teams can see that, right? And so they game plan around taking away who first, Cat, who second, D'Lo, right? Um, that, you know, and again, I go back to Ty Lue at the post-game interview. I go back to Ty Lue in the post-game interview in the play-in game when he said, we knew Anthony Edwards was going to be aggressive. We had some ideas as to how we could deal with Cat. What we, who we were worried about was D'Angelo Russell because when he plays well, the Timberwolves win. Who did Memphis make a concerted effort to take away last year. D-Lo. Who did they put Dylan Brooks on? Delo, right? So okay. around the league, teams know that, and we've talked about this on this podcast, the Timberwolves will go as D'Angelo Russell goes. Go back to last night. They played well enough to go into Utah and into Portland on a back-to-back and win both games in every facet except for rebounding. Now, let's let's. Keep How many a, rebounds let's, did D'Lo let's have? Let's keep it a buck. He had one, but let's keep it a buck. Damon Lillard had three. Anthony Simmons, Simons, I'm sorry, had three, right? So if you go backcourt for backcourt, even though D'Lo only had one, 
they still out-rebounded Portland's backcourt, which wow. then this that is faint praise. But, I hear you, but, though. But, but, I mean, well, yeah, because Ant had six rebounds or whatever, six, seven rebounds. Yep. But here's where I go back to the collective as a team and understand, yes, D'Lo does have to rebound the ball better, but it's not like Dame went out there or or or, or Simons went out there and got eight rebounds apiece and D'Lo got one. Here's where, again, I continue to contest that the Wolves – have to improve. Jaden McDaniels has to rebound the ball out of area. He has to do what Andrew Wiggins has learned to do in Golden State. Track that ball and use your athleticism to go and get it. Now, Rivers, I think, had zero rebounds. Noel had one. It was not a good Jaden Noel game last night. That hurts, but you still scored 118 points. Right. So collectively, the guard wing combination on that team, everybody has to chip in. If Delo has three rebounds, McDaniels has six rebounds. Rivers has two, three rebounds. Noel has two, three rebounds. They win that game last night. Well, there you go. And to me, it seems like a theme. It is a theme. It seems like a theme. It seems like um, as good as they can be or as good as they can look. Those are the things in the end that will... All right, let's play a little game. And yes, then, sir. Then we'll move on from D'Lo. Yes, sir. D'Lo is your starting point guard mm-hmm. at Ridgefield. Mm-hmm. He's talented. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, in some ways maybe... Let's just do it, like, comparatively speaking, so he's not necessarily head and shoulders above everybody like he would theoretically be in high school. Let's, but let's just say he's he's one of your better players. Right, right. And that dude continually refuses or or just can't physically block out and rebound the ball. And then maybe sometimes on the other end, he's heat-checking it. Mm-hmm. What do you do as a coach? Now, I realize professionally that's a harder decision because, you, you know, there's there's politics and there's contracts and there's agents and there's – Money, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Super producer, <laughs> super producer Lori Leon said, "Don't forget about that and that habit. paper <laughs> and habit." And we're human beings, so we all know how hard habits are to break. Do you bench him? No, and I'll tell you why. We had a player that I would make that comp in terms of his role, his pros and cons, in terms of how his cons affect the team and how his pros affect the team. We had a player like that last year. This very same player was starting guard on back-to-back section championship teams. Last year, we we graduated some guys, and so, you know, he's still got the keys to the Cadillac, but he has not, you know, it's not so much a Cadillac anymore. It's more (laughs) a Lincoln, right? Um, He gets injured. We get knocked out in the first round of the sections. With him, we probably go back to state. Or, I, I, you know, probably is a strong word, but we have a very high, I say probably because I'm coaching on the staff and I know what's around us, we have a very high chance of going back to state. Now, we were just above 500. We were learning to play with new parts. Um, but when he got injured, uh, it, it, it definitely took away from our prospects. So again, and we had a good guard behind him who ultimately ended up getting injured as well. So, so again, I say it's not just stylistic change, but if you don't have him, you better have somebody who's as impactful or better 
when it comes to being able to do the winning type things that he does do well. Okay. Okay. So that, that kind of takes me to my caveat there because when you say better, and this goes back to our previous conversation before we started here, um, I say better fit. And so mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I think better fit may not be the shot clutch shot maker better fit. Um, Frankly, may maybe wouldn't be a better passer, but to me, D'Lo is a better passer than he is a facilitator. And I, I, think I feel he, like I'm splitting hairs. I think he there, would agree with that. I think he's pretty much admitted to that: is I'm a better just player than I am a point guard. I think that's a real thing. Now, yeah. I, I realize and is becoming, and one day might become the the single or the primary ball handler. Or, um, but to me, that's a problem because um, Jordan McLaughlin isn't half the player, or maybe he's two-thirds of the player that DLO is. But there's one thing for certain that happens when he plays. He facilitates. He makes the game easier for other people. So that's my point. A better defender who has got more physicality to his game, who is a facilitator, which means in really close games, maybe the facilitator is helping you get is, is the person whose pass leads to the bucket versus the person who feels like it is his obligation to get the bucket. So winning becomes more of the focus and not just agenda. Thoughts? I would say let's look at the top four teams in the West as it stands right now. Okay. And I'm going to ask you, do they have a true facilitator point guard or just a player? that handles the ball in crunch time positions. Okay. New Orleans Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Grizzlies. Do you call John Morant a point guard or do you just call him a playmaker? I don't know. Josh special. It's hard to say on that. We're, one. Not, okay. we're not disagreeing that he's special. <laughs> we're talking about what you're talking about in terms of fit in that ideal gritty defending Okay. Facilitate no. play, no. you know, okay, no. point guard. But the, one thing I'll say about Ja, just sidebarring on Ja, mm-hmm. he brings that uh, I want to fight. No, he's a dog. Every game. So he's go, a dog, ahead. go ahead. Which now. is why he brings the best out of Ant, because yeah. Ant's a dog. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, Denver Nuggets. Okay. Uh, this one well, I would say. That's, I mean, obviously the Joker is. Is he, he's the de facto the point center on that goes. team. Yeah. But, and when Jamal Murray's healthy, just about to say that. then that's, that's a gonna, different That's going to be a different thing. thing. But that essentially still only buoys your point. Right. Go on. And then this is the one team I will say that has an undeniable point guard, but he's also a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest to ever do it, and that's Phoenix in the fourth spot. So outside of Phoenix, really you just have basketball players on the perimeter. Okay, well, I'm prepared to take Phoenix as – my prototype, and not because I want a I want a point guard who's going to pound it and and do all that stuff. But when I think about now, I know Chris Paul's a point guard, but when yep. I think about his <laughs> impact on winning mindset over there, now granted, again, Hall of Fame player, but there's a lot of Hall of Fame players. Dominique Wilkins wasn't like really like impacting winning with his. Mind as much as he did with his mind-boggling athleticism. I, I don't know. I just think Dominique Wilkins ran into this guy in Boston, <laughs> and there was there was a number of playoff series where the Atlanta Hawks would have made it to the finals if it wasn't for All this right. guy in Boston. I was living in Atlanta at the time, and I will concede that Tree Rollins, you know Doc Rivers, Randy Whitman, the gang. I get it, 
But I, 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 I throw myself off more than I throw myself on. But let me just... I mean, I get I, what you're I saying. Want, I want to believe, right, that a player... I, well, I should say, I do believe that a player who... Um, Makes big shots or has the capability. I mean, Lanza Ball is my like dream archetype because to me, he's he's long. He gets in the passing lanes. He defends. He's a point of attack dude, and then he's not afraid to stand in the corner and make a three point shot. His three point shot has improved over the years, and uh, so I think uh, while D'Lo is talented and and obviously signed the max contract and that whole thing, I I do have concerns about whether or not his ability as a lead guard will translate to winning uh, big playoff games more than it will lead to frustration. And I think that's um, really more boils down to Ant's development because I think that if you brought in somebody like Alonzo like Ball, um, you, what you're really saying is that Ant's ready to have the ball at the end of games and make the decisions. And I think you're seeing Ant develop mm-hmm. into that guy. I mean, there was mm-hmm. some, you know, last night's game came down to just some who makes a play here and there. Ant makes a great left-handed hook pass to Rudy in the fourth quarter in a game in which neither team can afford to blink, right? Mm-hmm. Portland's just making incredible shots. Delo's making incredible shots. Um, and it's just, you know, shot for shot. And that was the first blink. Rudy doesn't catch the ball. Um, you know, uh, uh, the offensive rebound that Dame hits the big three on, that was the second blink. And then Jeremy Grant just makes a shot. Like, you know, defense was pretty much close to perfect, and he just makes a shot. To me, in a six-point game, those three plays are the game. You know, okay. along, and, and so, and what are we including in there? We're including those little things. A drop pass from Rudy, which we've seen too much of this year. A missed box out by the Wolves on a clutch time shot, which we've seen too much of the last two years. And then ultimately, NBA players make NBA plays, and Jeremy Grant just makes a big shot. And okay. so that's why I'm saying, like, you're looking at this team, and it's like, to me, they're really close. And we'll see how that shifts and, and morphs when Cat comes back. But I feel like they were trending in the right direction before Cat got hurt. And that's why I'm curious to see what happens these last 40 games, assuming Cat's back for most of them. But even if he's not, it's like one of the things that people don't talk about, they'd be dead in the water without Cat, without the trade. Well, They'd there's, be there's no dead doubt about that. In he, the water. He's been the best performer. So when this you year. can lose an all NBA center and just shift your team around an all NBA center, Okay. You know, they wouldn't even, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now if Cat's out for a month, month and a half, and they don't make the trade. Well, well all right. So I, this was unexpected. I didn't expect you to be the optimistic one. But whatever. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, we're going to have to wrap this thing up because okay. I got a matinee call that I need to get to. But before we when get you out. your Tony, by the way. <laughs> that's funny stuff. <laughs> i got several. That's how I, I don't even audition okay. anymore. What are you getting your several Tonys? <laughs> <laughs> Any day now. Uh, Amazon seems to be backed up or something. I don't know. Whatever. Um, so I'm casting my gaze across the final part of the season. It's going to be intriguing to see this thing play out because I think it's happening on a couple diff- different rails. Uh, simultaneously. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I have not given up faith. I do see 
improvement, which is inspiring. So the question for me to you to close this out is, uh-huh. is cat watching? And if obviously he's watching, but is he watching with an eye towards how can I make us better when I get back? So how can I, how can I, okay. Being taken out of that situation, I, I see not only what they need, but how I can be even more functional as, as a, one of the primary players. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he doing that? I hope so. He's getting paid to. Well, I know he's getting paid to. He also gets paid to block out. Right. Well, yeah, that this is also true. So can um, he, can he, can that be something or is it going to be another one of those like fits and starts thing when he comes back because they're still trying to sort out how, what, who works with what and you know what I mean? Well, I hope what's happening is that him and Chris Finch are in constant communication. Um, I hope what's happening is that, you know, I hope what doesn't happen is that the players don't regress when he comes back in terms of the type of intensity and effort that they're playing with, especially defensively. Um, and I hope Cat maybe studies some Utah uh, film from the last couple of years and watches how Bogdan Bogdanovich played, um, you know, with Rudy in terms of Cat skill sets. Um, I still think this team would be at its best if Cat is taking 10 three-pointers a game and six of them out of the corners. You know, I, I mean, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole on on the last minute of the show, because, but he does not seem to be shooting it, shooting it as confidently this year. Well, I, I think that um, – I mean, the whole team has struggled shooting threes, and, you know, and Digo's picked it up recently. Um, but, you know, I think there was a stat the other day, outside of Kyle Anderson, I think the whole team is shooting under league average. And, you know, it's funny, we talked about that first podcast. I talked about Kyle Anderson was going to be a better shooter than people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but you I know, like I, that dude. I, I like that dude's game. I do as well. But I, I just hope that Cat is like, okay, let me look at how Bogdan played out of the corners um, and just keep doing everything well that but he does well. Again, that's 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 about sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's absolutely. it's about it's about a person's nature, absolutely, and what they are or are not willing to do. So for and me, it's also it about comes Chris down Finch. to that. Yeah, it's also about Chris Finch, um, being able to find a balance between saying, "Okay, Cat, we're going to have you in this corner," you know. X amount of times, but then also finding a balance where you're using him in other ways that he's really skilled as well. And I think finding that balance has also been a little bit of their offensive struggles uh, thus far in the season. And maybe Cat watching, sitting back watching, will allow him to dissect where he can be more impactful in a way that doesn't upset the apple cart, so to speak. Okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to leave it there because that's a good place to kind of jump off uh, from – the next time we we do this, but I, I, all right, I'll leave this this thing more optimistic than I I have been, but I still have my concerns about the squad and how it's going to happen for them going forward. But uh, they've got all the talent. I think they need to win. The West is some serious stuff, but we're going to leave it there. This has been another episode of the Coach and the Crooner, and uh, Coach, yes sir. Until next time, we out. Man, can't wait to get back. Thank you, thank you. Special thanks to super producer Lloyd Leon for making things happen for us. Yes, sir. It's the good tonight. Coaching my crew now.